All right, all right. I am like 13 or so minutes late. It's 11.08 right now. I'm supposed to start up at 10.55. But I actually got into the groove and found out there were some limitations. Anyway, welcome to Mr. Benji's ADD Experience Live. This is our Prince show. I'm going to call this one the Prince of all creatives. Because of all the creators out there, Prince stands alone. Prince stands on high by himself in a category that cannot be reached because it's just so unique. And thank you, uh, Gypsy Love, for showing up in the chat. Apologies for being a little late here. I had to readjust things just a little bit, but that is all good. So, yes, today we're going to be going over the... I don't want to say the life of Prince. I'm not going to do a history lesson. You can find those online. What I'd like to look at is his influence as a creator, because here on this show, uh, the ADD experience, I'd like to talk about art, design, and development. And I like to go back and look at certain characters through time that have really changed our perception of what art, design, and development can be, that true artist spirit, right? That creative vibe. And that dripped through Prince. That's that's his legacy, if anything. Um, a talented creator, multifaceted individual. We will definitely get into that here. Um, really quickly, I do want to just want to mention uh, a lot of my friends out in New York. Uh, man, I am. Prayers go out to you and guys in New York. You're dealing with the the wildfire. It's been looking pretty crazy out there. If you've got any. If you got any people out there, um, you know, definitely send them a shout. It's, you know, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like really bad when someone just says, oh, the, you know, smog or whatever. But if you look at the pictures, man, it's pretty, the, the, the weather there is like pure smoke. The, the, the landscape is orange. I don't know if you guys remember GTA 6, how the, I'm not GTA 6, GTA uh, San Andreas how it was overblown and orange just to give that crazy smoggy look. And somewhere between my internet connection, things kind of went weird. So I don't know what just happened, but my speeds were clocking in super low and nothing was going on. So I had to drop out for a minute and now I'm back. Hopefully this will stay strong, but either way, the show will continue. Who is Prince Roger Nelson? I don't know that I needed to explain a lot of this because he seems like one of those figures I've known for so long that I kind of assume everybody else knows him too. But I was, I was walking around and I heard something on the radio and I said, I like this song. And somebody else said, who is this? And I had to go, oh. Oh, oh, that's Prince. And yeah, it's a, he was a force to be reckoned with in, in terms of music. And I will go ahead and say this. Prince was the best musician of our time. And when I say our time, I'm referring to any modern music. He was the Mozart of our time. So I, I will take this from the... Actually, when I say best musician of our time, I'll take that to all of American American history, North American history. No musician was able to do 
what he did. And I'm not talking about necessarily in terms of selling out stadiums. I'm not ter- talking in terms of television popularity. I'm talking about being a musician. He was the Mozart of our time and the best at what he did, best at what he did, and the best at keeping it going. How do you quantify such a claim? How do you quantify such a such a bold statement, right? Well, first of all, he's a musician. He knew his music and he knew his his scales, he knew his chord progressions. He knew his rhythms, his beats, his harmonies, his melodies. He knew it all. He was raised in uh, Minneapolis, you know, from a from a musician family. Father and mother were both musicians, and they were they were heavy in the game. And they ended up with this child that had a in, an innate and almost overbearing connection to music, in such a way that I don't know any, if that anybody had seen or heard before. But he was one of those kids where a kid latches onto something and just starts starts going in and doing it all the time. One of those kids that's that a lot of people like to say, well, he he needs to be more well-rounded. He ended up being one of those kids where nobody was quite sure of him, but they knew he wanted to play some music. And yes, his his father was overbearing. In a similar way, it reminds me of Michael Jackson and the Jackson family. How they had that father figure in there that was just really pushing the kid to do something great. I I shouldn't even say pushing the kid to do something great, but had this neurotic, overbearing presence that was like, this is serious business. And that's what what Prince was. Uh, He was a product of one of those households. Very tumultuous life. He had an interesting relationship with, with um, a controlling parentage. Uh, interesting uh, sexual history coming up. His mother showed him a lot of things, uh, gave him playboys or whatever. Thought he may have been a little interesting of a child. But he was presented with a lot of these, a lot of difficult situations, a lot of trauma, and he focused that trauma energy into music. So, of course, starting off with the piano, later on graduating to other instruments, trying them out, learning them, understanding them, playing them, it became his thing. And for any of you who have kids or who have seen kids, you understand how they get a thing going on. And they decide to latch on to certain ideas, certain concepts, certain vibes. And this happened with, with Prince in a very big way. In fact, his name, Prince Rogers Nelson, was meant to. It was meant to evoke an idea of a superstar. But even though he had the name, his father, like pushed him away from, not pushed him away from it, but pushed him in a way that was like, yeah, you got to earn this to the point where Prince didn't even like his name. It's like, I'm supposed to be a rock star or whatever. What are you talking about? You won't even let me play the piano when I want to. It became a whole thing, man. It was wild history for him. But he was also not just a musician. He was extremely talented and extremely skilled. He was a producer, 
was able to put together songs, was able to put together stage shows, was able to put together orchestrations. With all the different musical instruments, he was able to play pretty much what was out there to be played, especially in your basic bands. So we're talking drums, saxophone, flute, piano, vocals, etc. Guitar, bass guitar. He just knew it all and was very good with it. So not only was he a musician, a producer, a, a player of all these instruments, he was also a performer. You saw him on stage, the way he moved. Got vibes of James Brown. You got, dot, got vibes from the, the old scat artist. I was thinking a little bit of Cab Calloway came to mind. So yeah, he was definitely out there performing. And then what else did he do? He was a songwriter, wrote the lyrics, put together these very layered and nuanced words that just touched people. Composer. Was able to, you know, when you think of producer, you think of being able to take all these separate elements and put them together in a studio, but also composing, you know, writing out the song notes, writing out the melodies and harmonies, how they're going to go together, how the, you know, you're going to have your arpeggios and your, you know, going from, going from your different key progressions. How is it all going to work? That's what, that's what Prince was good for. That's what Prince was doing. Stage artist and fashionista. I will, I'll throw fashionista in there because he got to a point where he was just expressing himself in all these different ways that enhanced the music. And that stage presence and that stage visual definitely came through with Prince. Prince had a certain vibe about him that needed to be expressed also through his fashions. Probably seen the, everybody talks about the butt out jeans where he, you know, basically had his ass hanging out. Um, pulling a share almost has ass hanging out on stage. He had the the fluffy, you know, the ruffled ruffled shirts, big crazy outfits, the glitter, the purple. We know him as the purple one even because he trademarked the look basically. But that's what happens when you get such a unique individual, such a unique creator, such a unique uh, um, artist. But it all came down to music. And as I said, the greatest musician of our time, the Mozart of our time. Like, I don't know anybody else who comes close. You know, you may have performers, you may have singers, you may have dancers, you may have a person who just knows how to play a couple instruments, but they didn't have all of this in one package and they definitely weren't as musically connected and on stage like Prince was. So there it is. I'm saying it. Best musician of our time. Greatest musician of our time. So when, he had, when they asked him, you know, why, does he, why was he able to stay around so long? You know, you don't get a lot of people who can connect with, with their audiences like this over time. But Prince was able to do that. And how was he able to do this? You could tell he was an artist because he actually, a genius artist, because he actually connected with the people. I don't use the term genius unless you can connect with the people. There's a certain human element of creativity 
that you need to connect with the people. And to do that, you need to be able to not only look within yourself, you not only need to look at the the technique and the the pieces and parts and all of the elements that go into whatever your art is, you need to be able to stand outside of yourself and look at music that way. You need to be able to stand on the outside and look at yourself, not just a mirror image, but being able to separate yourself from your own product and try to create more from there. And I think that's what geniuses do. And Prince was one of those geniuses. In fact, he was such a genius. He ended up, he, ended, he made a statement about his longevity. It said, the key to longevity is to learn everything you can about music. So at every point along the way in his career, he just kept picking up more and more and more, more knowledge, more skill, more understanding of how different people listen to different music, more ways of interacting with these 88 notes or 88 tones and just playing more and more and more. And this dedication to a singular goal, not every creator can do that. It's a rare one indeed that really has that, that type of focus. And of course, this is what brought him to want control of his music and control of the way things went. And I'll get into this a little later about control issues and how creators can effectively maintain or flex their control. But yeah, when you've got this much, when you've got this much of a creative spirit, this is what happens. And it's hard to maintain this type of creative spirit. I know when I'm, when I'm doing something, I, I get to a point where I plateau. I create, I learn, and then I, I don't want to say I stop learning, but I plateau. I start to slow down a little bit. I start to get comfortable where I am. But you can't do that if you want to reach these heights, these Prince level heights. In fact, Prince took it to a level where his music started to, his music was able to properly cover rock, blues, pop, R&B, funk, gospel, soul. And that's what we kind of know him for. You throw a little, little sprinkling of country in there, maybe. And then just enough rap and hip hop influence to let people know that he understood what it was. So he's got the accolades. He's got the He's got the bona fides. But what does this have to do with you? And what does this have to do with me and creation? Well, first thing is, you've got to be prolific. To really get in there and create like this, to really get in there and develop. And when I say in there, I mean in the public sphere, in the creative zone, in that, that whirlwind that storm of activity known as creation, reception, relearning, evolving, updating, and producing more music. When you start getting into that build, maintain, acquire, release cycle, you start to not ever exist in any still place. Like the songs that you're creating as you're creating them start to become stale to you and you start pushing on to the next one. 
You're in this cycle. You're in this creative mode. You're in this flow. So after his death, it was found that Prince had approximately, well, not approximately, people don't know how much music he actually had in there, but some say that he had this huge, vast array of unfinished music, completed albums, and 50 completed music videos. Now, to go through the process of creating 50 done and in the can music videos, that's a, that's a whole thing right there. That's a necessary element. Completed albums, a vast array of unfinished music. And a lot of it, they've started, some of it, they've started to release posthumously. I honestly haven't listened to the post-death music from Prince or what we, we would hear after he's passed on. I'm not sure I completely want to, being that it wasn't material that he deemed timely enough or worthy enough to get out there while he was with us. But he was, it was out there and it's prolific. I think when you start to get into a real flow, and I've talked about the creative flow before, when you start to get into a real creative flow, that's when you start just putting stuff out and it gets to the point where you can't stop. It's not something you do. It is you. It's your thing. It's your being. It's your, your basic output. Your basic mode of operating is to create. And you can only get that kind of prolific output by learning, applying, releasing, building, maintaining, and acquiring. Build, maintain, acquire, release. That's the general cycle there. And it doesn't necessarily have to go in that order. All right, well, that did not work out. I definitely will be editing this show. Audio technology can be a thing. One of the things about being creators and moving your creative energy into better places is by utilizing the power of trauma. Now, a lot of people try to either do, usually do one of two things. They try to have you cope with the trauma or just, you know, just like understand the trauma that you've experienced and cope with it, saying to themselves, yes, that is the trauma there. That is what happened. Uh, and we don't even have to take it to a trauma level for, for the easiness of this discussion. Let's just say things that upset us, things that trigger us, anger us, frustrate us, et cetera. Things that bother us even, that, that will make it even lighter. But let's keep in, keep in mind that we're using the power of trauma or negativity to fuel our creativity. How does that even work? Well, anything that we find that's negative, there's generally a positive that goes along with that. So finding what you don't want lets you know what you want. Pain is something we obviously don't want. So how do we get away from that? How do we turn that pain into something beautiful? You do this by utilizing the power of trauma. As I said earlier, Prince had a tumultuous relationship with his family, his parents. Um, he had seizures as a young boy. He was teased a lot. And he also grew up as a young black kid in Minneapolis. This was not a great place to grow up in for young black people. I don't know if a lot of you know this. You may have remembered the the target that got targeted during the, um, I want to say, uh, I want to say George Floyd. Um, there was a Black Lives Matter protest. The George Floyd thing happened, and there was there was a target that was 
that was targeted. It ended up getting, it ended up getting uh, looted, violated, vandalized, whatever you want to call it. It ended up getting, getting trashed, and people were thinking. People kept sending around the idea that, hey, they're destroying their own community. This is the problem. They're destroying their own community. What's happening? What's going on? Well, it was. It's more complicated than that. Um, Target had a history with that neighborhood, with that area. I remember I, I, I spent some summers in, in Minneapolis and I was able to kind of get the lay of the land a little bit. And one of the things I learned about was Target working with the police in this area. And they ended up causing a lot of problems for the community. And it was just a thing. And that's where their headquarters is, right? So if you're going to want to take make a statement that target would be one of the one of the places you'd want to show your ire you'd want to protest not calling it right or wrong i'm just saying there's context and there's history with that location but what does that have to do with prince prince grew up in that area of what i'm saying and there was a lot of trauma there from being a young black kid especially one who's going through seizures who has family problems at home and who has just, you know, being black in that area. Also, he came from a very religious family who seemed to not behave very religiously. So whenever you have this type of dichotomy, a religious fronting family or religious acting family, where they do, they have a lot of the religious tenets, but then don't behave like religious people, you get to have a little bit of a schism there, a little bit of a dichotomy and it's not always easy to work with, especially from a child's point of view. I think the parents are a little bit more able to deal with it than kids, especially when a kid is in that situation. They get confused as, well, hey, wait a minute. You're going to church and doing all this. That's kind of a front, but you're really like this behind closed doors, but I can't talk about it. I can't bring it up. It brings a certain level of confusion, right? That's what happens. So let me see if I can... I want to make sure this is not acting bad on me. No, it seems to be doing the right thing here. All right. Hopefully everybody's hearing this okay. Um, but yeah, so all this was going on. He's having problems. He started into basketball at one point. If you hadn't heard the stories, Prince is actually a good basketball player and thought he was going to be able to go into basketball as a as a thing he was on the high school or middle school team i forgot which which one but he was on the school team and was able to actually do very well but at one point he realized he couldn't be great at it he couldn't be the great that he wanted to be or he thought that it was better to be a great in music so he dropped basketball at one point and said you know what i love basketball i'm going to keep doing it recreationally but as far as being serious I will create music as much as I can in spite of my parents, in spite of my father, in spite of my mother. This is still something that I'm all about. And it's hard to kind of get the exact story because Prince was so private. But if you're a creator like Prince and you've led a hard life back to the trauma and using negativity to fuel you, people like Prince lead hard lives. And it, even if it's not an externally hard life, it's one that's internally hard. 
Because as a creator, you start to realize at a certain point, the world doesn't want you to do what you're doing. The world has a certain tolerance for somebody being good and usable by whatever economic systems and economic forces the world has going on. Like, oh, we can use that guy. We can take what they've got and push forward. We can, we can exploit that. So there's a certain amount of usability that people are granted when they're very creative and they're doing something good. But very early on, creators will start to learn that the world doesn't want you to just create what you want. Somewhere along the way, they will become frustrated. They'll become confused. They'll become lost. Their inadequacy will start to show. Their jealousy will start to play out. Their envy will start to make a mark on you. And this is what happens. No matter where you go, no matter what kind of creator you are, once you start creating something that's good enough and that's working for you or for someone else, people will start to push back on you. People will start to to put roadblocks in your path. They'll start to give you suggestions like, hey, man, maybe if you did it this way. Or, hey, man, maybe if you tweaked it a little bit towards this. Or, hey, look here, lady. I think it would really be cool if you added this. Or, hey, lady, how come you aren't doing this? And it gets very, it becomes almost a trauma in itself. So the energy you were using from these, these things, these uh, events in your life, this consternation you're feeling, taking that energy and putting it into your creative work, ironically and tragically, causes more pain because people will still pile on and try to fight you even more. Does it ever get better? Not really. You just learn to deal with it more. And I want to say, I want to use the word deal because that's an active word, right? You're dealing with something. You're taking it on. You're not just, as I said earlier, you're not just coping with it. You're not just trying to understand it. You're literally dealing with it. You have cards in your hands that you were dealt, deal. Play, play the hand. Play the hand you're dealt. So I said there were two parts to that. You know, you don't just want to cope, right? You don't just want to tolerate what's there and say, well, that's just how that is. And, you know, nod your head back and forth. And the second thing you don't want to do is you don't want, you definitely don't want to act like it's not there or pretend you're something else. That's, that's the worst, where you're trying to, to mitigate your own creative energies, where you're trying to pull back on this great gift that you've been given, where you've got a vibe going on and someone tells you, no, 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 you should do this instead. It's like, oh, you're so good at math. Why are you doing math all the time? Why don't you help me work on my computer. And you're like, ah, computer's math, kind of similar, but I'm really all about the actual mathematics. I'm not so into tech. It's like, yeah, yeah, but you're good with computers. It's like, listen, I know I'm good with computers, but that's because math can be worked on with computers. I'm not trying to be a computer guy. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. But can you come set up my, my router and my ethernet? And hey, we need help with this computer thing. 
and people will start to take you away from your creativity. It's difficult. It is. So, yeah, you know, people will try to have you cope, you know, just, oh, you know, just, 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 just cope with it. Just tolerate it. And then people will try to redirect your energy. Neither of those are acceptable to me. If you're creative, you've got to get out there and you've got to create properly. That is taking what you know, what energy you have, both the positive and the negative, and intertwine that energy into something very tight and strong and pushes forward into something new. And yeah, either way, people aren't going to like you. They, but you don't need them to like you. You don't need them to love you. You don't need them to understand you. You don't even need them to want the creation that you have. What you need is for them to respect you. And if your energy is strong enough and your energy is potent enough and it's being put out there with enough gusto, then you'll definitely be tapping into the realm of a true creator. Because most people are thinking about the world the way it is, and they're thinking about songs in their head in the way it is, or songs, or paintings, or whatever. They're thinking about the way things are. An artist is not meant to think about the way things are necessarily, but he starts to put an expression to something that taps into our imagination, our true feelings, and these are going to be senses and sensations and feelings and revelations and other emotions that aren't quite put together just yet until somebody puts it into a product and puts it out there and says to you, this is my expression. And you sit back and say, well, I'll be damned. I might not like it, but I respect the hell out of that. That is an expression. It's competent. It's awesome. That's when you're creating on that level. That's when you're creating on another plane. When you're able to just go in there, do what you need to do with all of your facilities, Take your trauma, take your pain, take your unique circumstances, mix that in with your community, the people who you're dealing with, and put something out and start hitting on that genius level. Because remember, as I said before, you're not genius unless you are able to touch the people. And once you start touching the people, you're on a genius level. And that's what Prince was. Had somebody pop in the chat for a second. Now they're gone, but at least we know the chat's still working. Shout out to AMP. We might have something here. So yes, creators lead hard lives. People don't want you to create. And creators will naturally prove people wrong. Because if the current thing is right, and you outdo the current thing, then the current thing is no longer right. What you're doing is the right way, because it's the better way, clearly. And the right way becomes old, busted, and maybe even to the point of being the wrong way. And when your energy is out there doing its thing properly, you've got a powerful energy going on. When it's doing it properly, your energy will be powerful. It will start to change the world, literally. Something will change in this world when you're putting out a powerful creation. If it's an art, it'll be making a, an emotional effect or an awe-inspiring effect. A technology, it'll make things better or worse, or it'll allow us to see in and understand and act in ways we hadn't. Whatever your art is, whatever your creation is, if it's powerful, 
it will be able to change the world and people will start tapping into it. And it'll make people understand that there is more out there. In fact, you get to this weird point of understanding with creators. Hey, shout out to Ladies Express. What's happening? Thanks for stopping by. You get to a new way of you get to a new way of seeing things when when you're on this creative tip. And it's to the point where you don't understand what someone's doing, but you like it and you respect it or you're in all of it. And that's where we got with Prince. It was like, how do you put something out there that's so familiar yet so new? And then you'd have people try to knock off the sound. And you know, this is, this is when you, you know you're somewhere awesome. When people try to knock off the sound and it ends up sounding like you, but someone says, eh, that's not Prince. Eh, that's not Michael Jackson. Eh, that's not Michael Jordan. Eh, that's not Mike Tyson. They, they see which, where you're going. They're like, oh yeah, I get that because it's so relatable. But you know, you're not Shepard Fairey. I can tell by the art. Oh, you're not, you're not Warhol. I can tell by the art. You're not Picasso. I can just tell by the art. Because when you have that powerful energy, it's going to make a mark in the world. It's going to set itself as something unique. And you won't even have to do the work. And if, if you're a creator, you're probably part of that, a part of that look, a part of that vibe, but you're on your own. So one thing people ask when, when talking about energy, you know, do you have to be a loner? Not necessarily. You may be a collaborative kind of creator, somebody who talks to a lot of people and goes to a lot of places, involves themselves with the community. It may just be that way. But you're, you're out there on your own creatively. And the most you can ask for is support. You may not be alone physically, but you're out there alone with your creation. Because not too many people are going to be, under, be able to understand you. In fact, nobody will if you're creating at a, at a certain level. Nobody will be able to understand you, but you might be able to relate to other creators who are in their own lane. And they may be able to relate to you because, yes, I'm doing this creation over here and you're doing this creation. And maybe they can relate to each other. Like you'll see filmmakers and musicians talking about their craft. You'll see musicians and software developers talking about what they had to create and the hurdles they had to overcome. Another thing they have to deal with is impatience. You want to create so fast, your creation starts to get ahead of you and you get impatient with people who can't keep up. People want to send you, send you notes and suggestions on version 7 and you're on version 14 already. You're way past them. People might think you're controlling. Can you be too controlling as a creative? Sure. You can be too anything. But the question is, is it working? And if you're able to tell that something is working and you're controlling the way it works, then who can argue with you? And the only way you're going to find out is by putting it out there. So yes, most all creatives, when they, when they are out there creating things, they have a very particular vibe. They have a very particular way about them. And they start trying to control the situation so they can get the best result that they want. And a lot of people call this my next bullet point perfectionism. Can you have, you know, a lot of people like to tell you nowadays, and this is one of the things, this is one of the problems I believe we're having with society. People saying, hey, you can't always be perfect or don't try to be perfect or perfect is the enemy of good. Listen, 
we know you can't reach perfection. All creators know that. They know there are limitations with the instruments. They know there are limitations in people's education. They know there are limitations in their own physical skills. They know there are limitations in the sounds. They've just got to push that far. They've got to go for perfect. Even in the Bible, it talked about how you're trying to be Christ-like. Nobody said you're trying to be perfect like Christ. You're trying to be Christ-like. You're trying to get to that. That was, always, that was always understood and explained to us. You're just trying to get to that level. Once you can, once you can start moving towards that level, you realize how much farther you have to go, and you'll never quite reach perfect. That's impossible. That's the lovely paradox of it. The closer you get, the farther it is. Because you'll start realizing that the entire landscape expands when you start getting towards the edges. So when, people, when you're trying to create something, and people will tell you, hey, it's never going to be perfect. They may have a point that you may have painted something too many times. You may have, you may have drawn something too many variations. You may have been trying for too long to get this very certain sound or whatever. But the idea that you should just be okay with, with average, with regular or mediocre should be offensive to you, the creator. Everybody else can say, hey, man, it's good enough, or hey, man, perfect. Or, you know, you're good, you're fine. You should take that as offensive. If you know that there's something you're trying to achieve, you can't limit yourself by what people think is okay. If you know there's more that needs to be put into it, that can be put into it, you need to do that. You may not even ship it all. You may be in the process of creating and saying, you know what? Those last three levels in this video game, we're going to save them for later. But they're not good enough to go in the game. And this, if you talk to enough producers, you'll, you'll get this sentiment where they're just like, hey, just put it in. Hey, just let, let's just keep going. Or, hey, you've got it good enough. Or, hey, that's fine. Or whatever. Anybody who has low standards on your creative work, you, you need to throw your creativity in their face. You need to throw their creati your creativity at them so hard that it knocks them over and they fall on the ground confused, like wondering, oh my gosh, what, what was that? I didn't even think that you were coming with that. When they're not looking for you to do great things, see, people don't understand what great is until they get it, until they experience it. You need to have been in the lab or in the studio, or in the field, or in the research center, or in the classroom. You need to have been in these places working out these problems. Some people call it the basement. You may have needed to be in the basement to work out your problems, where you go away for two weeks, three weeks, a month, where you go away for a time, and then you come back with something awesome. Me and my friends used to call it going up in the mountain to grow a beard and get weird. You come back down from the mountains like, look, took some time out. I learned this, this, and this. I applied this, this, and this. We're on something new here. They went and did the experiments. They were the scientists that made that creation happen. And sometimes you got to go away to do that. You got to go away because their vibe is slowing your mind down, slowing your creativity. So while I look back at Prince's 
life, his achievements, his activities. I see a person who was able to successfully transfer all his energies and focus them into a laser-like precision of this thing we call music. He focused it into a craft, into a body of work, into a persona that was no different from his life. There was no prince and then there's some guy at home. It was all together. He was a true creator, true visionary, true intellect, and definitely the Mozart of our time. And when I think of his life, I think of the thing I learned in the words of Puff Daddy. If you're going to go that way, go the fuck that way. That's what I learned from Prince. That's what I learned from trying to be a real creator. You go the fuck that way. It's not about what other people are saying, doing, and trying to influence you to do. It's about you taking the power of all your energies, positive and negative, and corralling them back into you so you can create more. And this has been a choppy one for AMP. I'm going to have to edit this show a bit. I may actually come back and just do a music program just to chill out and listen to it. For anybody that missed it and just wants to hear some music, I may go back and do that. But in the meantime, this is Mr. Benj from Mr. Benj's ADD Experience. Listen, to get to support, I need you to either go on AMP if you're not already following me there and follow me. Go on YouTube, follow me there. And I'm on Instagram, also at Mr. Benja. Those are my three major platforms, YouTube, Instagram, and AMP right now. So I'm trying to do this thing. I want to come out creating more and more and better and better. And you know what? I've just decided I'm going to go the fuck that way. Have a good day. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit MrBenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.